Hello everyone and welcome back to Allegheny Digital. In this episode, I sit down with Bree Ryback. Bree shares her career backstory and how she ended up working in the Salesforce space. We discuss why we think government agencies have adopted the Salesforce platform and why the trend will continue. She also provides her thoughts on the ecosystem and why so many people love it. The one and only Bree Ryback. How have you been? It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Frank. It's been a bit. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Um, way too long. I did something special for you. If you have seen previous episodes, I have a Texas Longhorns hat on my golf clubs, but for you, I put a Penn State hat over there. I just, as you were saying, think about a hat, I noticed I saw my little Nittany Lion. I usually like, I have a t-shirt drawer next to me. I can... Uh grab one of my 8,000 <laughs> Penn State t-shirts. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to just jump right in. Yeah, let's do it. I think you have an interesting story. I think you have a common story about people that find Salesforce through some other means. Um, so if you could just tell me how you got to the position you're in now, professionally and then I guess also how did you get introduced to Salesforce? Yeah absolutely Um, I always whenever I get asked this question I always say it was not strategic Uh, lots of people out there right like did their homework see Salesforce like it's the it's the goal it's the end of the finish line for them and for me it was purely accidental I was um, on a project at Accenture uh, at the time and doing a lot of like training and communications type work. It's kind of my background is more in strategic comms, change management and that sort of space. And just felt like I was in a rut. It wasn't really, you know, happy with the work I was doing and I was a little bored and just looking for something completely different. So I ended up cold applying on our internal job boards to another kind of comms position, but for a completely different customer. So it was like, I just want to get out of this space, try something else. Um, I had no idea it was for a Salesforce project. I just saw something else. It was like, I'm like a flight person when I'm not happy. I, I just go out. So I, you know, cold applied, went over, got there, sat down on the project and lo and behold, they were using Salesforce as the solution. Um, and I was tasked with being again on the change management team, but around kind of trying to like market and communicate the solution to the end users. Um, and I had worked at that point for about mm, five to six years in the government contracting space. So I had seen all sorts of government systems. I interned actually with department of defense, then contracted back to them. So I'd seen all sorts of, you know, travel systems, timekeeping systems, websites, internal portals, right? Like I'd interacted with all those things and they all were pretty not great, not great. So I, you know, get on this project and I see what they're trying to build. And I'm like, huh, wow. Like we're, this is a government system. Like it looks like something I use in everyday life. And this was back in like, uh, 2015. So, you know, even classic Salesforce classic. And even then I was like, oh my God, this looks so much better than anything I've ever seen before. It's cloud-based, like what? So, I was just like, wow, okay. And that's literally how I learned, you know, about Salesforce. It was completely accidental. And then also at the same time, a few, you know, months on the project was like, hmm, I think this is going places in the government, right? Had learned at that point, I think it was just sales cloud and service cloud. There wasn't like a ton of functionality around it, at least in the government. And 
I was like, no, I think I'm going to hitch my train to, th- to this platform for a bit. I think, you know, more and more government entities are going to see this, want this. This feels like a thing that's growing. So that was, like I said, 2015, totally accidental, landed on a Salesforce project and then really changed out of change management and wanted to lead actual development teams. So we kept growing and selling some new work in the space that I was on and and I got opportunities to lead teams and and kind of be a part of the, you know, actual build and design of the solution, which really spoke to me um, personally, just, you know, not getting to be at the end, just like training what another person built. And, you know, everyone's like, why does it built this way? And I'm like, I don't know, I didn't build it. So now I have to be like, no, I know why it was built that way. (laughs) Let me talk to you about it. And then I got heavier into like the experience cloud space, which I really liked. Lightning came along. Um, and then did that for another five or six years. So now I manage our relationship between Accenture and Salesforce in a, an alliance type role. Um, so I, my days of delivery and building the thing are a little behind me, but I'm sure someday I'll be back. And I still enjoy getting to see what all of our teams build. But that was my journey. It was not, you know, by any means strategic. It was not like, you know, something I set out for myself. It was purely accidental, right place, right time. And then once I saw what the platform had to offer, I just knew, you know, this this was going to grow for a while in this space. And I think this is going to be a great place to be in the technology kind of atmosphere. How would you say the relationship between Salesforce platform and government has developed over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very heavily tied to the government buying into cloud right? Going off of legacy on-premise systems, things where you needed, you know, to be literally tethered to a machine. You couldn't use a phone. Nothing was mobile friendly. Um, And we were starting to see that in the 2015, 2016 timeframe that I kind of came to Salesforce and the government. But I still think it all depended on, you know, needing a champion, needing a budget. And then, you know, COVID, it's true. The pandemic accelerated it because, People literally couldn't be in their office, right? Citizen services or services being provided by the government to the public, you couldn't go into a library, a public room, these, these governmental places, like just couldn't. So they they literally had to, right, transition to the cloud. So um, that coupled with, I think, the government, you know, kind of coming to terms with how expensive and slow on-prem legacy, you know, custom systems can be, they just don't want that anymore. And they shouldn't, that's the power of a digital platform. That's what, you know, Salesforce puts out there. And it's true. You speed the value. You can do it from anywhere, you know, like these things are mostly baked out of, you know, out of the box off the shelf already. And that just checks so many boxes for the government. I think a lot of times if folks listening have ever been in this space, things, you know, aren't always like these long tailwinds. It's kind of like, here's the problem, government agency. Okay, we've suddenly found the money, go do it now. And we want it in like six months, right? It's not, it's very different from commercial. Um, So it just, Salesforce was the right, you know, or is the right, one of the right solutions for that exact use case. So the government has fully bought in. You know, I think what also helps sometimes, and this is totally just my POV, is when a couple other agencies have done it, Right. And we can kind of show and share those stories. Other agencies, I think, feel better um, uh, knowing that it's a bit tried and, and trusted and true. And so you're just kind of seeing their growth chart is like, whoop, you know, probably some from the pandemic, probably some because you just have these massive legacy systems that they just can't 
you know, they can't hold on to anymore. Why these, it takes them, you know, so much to move a little button on a page because it's just so custom. And I also think, you know, we talk sometimes too about the folks that are interacting with digital services now, right? Like, you know, the workforce Gen Z who's coming into the working for the government, but also who's interacting with the government. There's that certain level of experience that folks are expecting nowadays too, right? Like nobody wants, you cringe when you get to the website and it tells you to like download and fax a form, right? I mean, my kids won't even know what a fax machine is. Like I still do, but I, even I don't want to fax anything. Like I, you know, go to Google. How do I online fax? You know, can I just take a picture and send this? So it's kind of like a combination of all those things. I want to, a little bit, but um, do you, do you think more government agencies will start to adopt Salesforce in the future? Uh, I think you're, your point of view as other agencies adopting Salesforce and then seeing their growth or ease of adoption, you know, it's just how the government are like, I guess maybe naturally like, Oh, they're using it. I'm just going to jump, jump on that ship and go with it. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things there, you know, Salesforce is smart, right? And I'm saying Salesforce, obviously, you know, it's the people running the company. They, they didn't just stay in that sales and service bucket, right? Sales, obviously, is not a very governmental, you know, uh, one-to-one. Not a lot of government agencies are selling anything, right? But they are providing services. And what Salesforce also did, right, is they started buying other companies or acquiring other companies, something like a Tableau for data, now Slack for communications. And those are all different pieces that the government does use. They're in interaction, you know, like I said, government services, it's their mission to provide certain things to different end users. If it's, you know, at an Intel company or agency, if it's, you know, um, military universities, if it's, you know, they're providing something to the public, to American people. And, and so they have to do those things. And Salesforce has now gotten itself to a point where that's what their platform is primed for. You know, they really have cornered themselves in that interaction experience market, which was very smart, but then have acquired these other kind of spokes to get you in. So, you know, if you're doing data, well, why not do data, but then feed it into your CRM or your customer relationship management platform, your Salesforce platform, right? Or even simple interactions. I have to fill out a form, right? I have to submit something, like all that sort of stuff that we do with the government. Um, Salesforce has really done a great job of positioning themselves as a, as a really great solution for that. So yeah, I, I don't think Salesforce is going to slow down necessarily in the government. I think the other thing is they've gotten themselves to a point too where, where you can use your Salesforce for a lot of different use cases. You know what I mean? Like I get that question all the time. Can this be done on Salesforce? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, obviously the answer is always going to be yes, but, but should we, you know, what, which part of it do you want to use? Like, because it's so big with all the clouds, the offerings, all the pieces, you know, that's where your solution architects and your real more technical folks come into play. Like, okay, how do we do this? And obviously, again, you want to leverage out of the box. You don't want to customize. Otherwise we're going to have the same problem that the government had 10, 15 years ago of like having this massive custom thing that somebody's got to maintain again. So, you know, I, I do think it's going to continue to grow. And I think it's a combination of it, it's the platform is serving exactly what the government needs and a combination of also the government right now, right? We have executive orders around cyber data, you know, customer experience. And so the government right now, from a White House directive standpoint, is really directing agencies to make these updates. And as long as there's funding for it, right, they're going to start, they're going to gravitate towards 
the solutions like Salesforce that can do it. As much as I love talking about Salesforce, the platform and the technical <laughs> side of things and adoption, one of the reasons Salesforce is a big part of my life is the ecosystem. And when I say ecosystem, I mean this culture that Salesforce has created um, of people that are Salesforce professionals, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I'll never forget the first time I went to Dreamforce. I think it was 2016 or maybe 2017. And I think that was when I, I understood like the full enormity of, you know, that ecosystem, right? And, and itself as a conference is just mind numbing. But again, the people that it draws from all different walks of life and Salesforce as a company does a really great job of telling those stories. They're a great storytelling company. Um, and what you get to see, right, is where different people from literally across the world, how they come to Salesforce. And it's not just how they come to Salesforce. Salesforce as a company helps that ecosystem, right? I think one of the best things that they offer is the fact that my trailhead is completely free, right? There's other technology solutions that you have to kind of have a login or maybe it's paid or maybe they just don't have like that real public free way of like self-learning and getting self-certified. And so they've sort of democratized or, or made learning Salesforce very equitable in that way. The fact that it's free, that it's accessible and open, right? Which you mostly just need to time and I guess a computer with an internet access really to you know get access to it and start learning and charting that path. So the ecosystem's incredible. I mean you can find groups that are Salesforce plus anything, right? Salesforce in your case plus military, Salesforce plus women in tech, Salesforce plus you know, insert any breakdown of how folks identify in this world and it's there. Um I don't really know like why necessarily it seems to attract like that kind of people. I think maybe some of it is that sort of openness that they started. Um, and then it's become this sort of, you know, for some people it's like legit life-changing, you know, either it, it got them out of a bad job or a no job or, you know, certain situations. And then they find a community within this space, which I think in the beginning for me, a little bit, it was like, I didn't fully get it, you know? I'm like, why do people love this technology so much, you know? But it's but it's opened them up to so many different things, opportunity, a career path. And then, you know, per even my journey on a very smaller scale, so many options, right? You can go more technical, you can go more functional, you can stay in a customer success type space. You can work for itty bitty small companies, you can do nonprofit cloud, you can work for large federal agencies like I do. Like just the enormity of what getting into the ecosystem opens you up to, I think is one factor of it. And then, you know, to your original question, like it is just such an extremely diverse place. I've gone to purely Salesforce women in tech conferences, like just that they have, you know, Salesforce Saturdays and like the localized geography based meetups. And it's just a great connector, the way it opens you up to all different types of people. But then you all have that Salesforce kind of thread is what's holding you together um, and kind of helping you navigate this larger, bigger space. The people in Salesforce um, are just awesome. And my point to this whole equality thing is opening up opportunities for newcomers or people that are in situations like you had mentioned that want to get into tech, or maybe they heard somebody that is a business analyst and they're like, well, I probably could never do that because I don't have 
whatever degree and it really leveled the playing mm. field is how mm-hmm. I would put it. Yeah. Just awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can give them some credit with the fact that I do think that they created a platform, right. For that openness, what they couldn't account for is who would join it. I mean, we see plenty of open platforms in other spaces that are not full of goodness and <laughs> equity and things, you know, um, but, you know, a platform that is open and then people are getting, you know, value out of it or, you know, progressing in a career or getting a new salary, things like that. And then they're willing to share that back with other people. I and mean, that's the other thing, like even just with my, within my own practice at my company, like folks are just willing to like help each other out with like things that they've gotten stuck on on code. Or I mean, I probably take one or two calls a week within my own company of like, I want to get into Salesforce. How do I get into Salesforce? Right. And it's just people hear about it. So I will give Salesforce some credit for like that, you know, that learning platform, I think is just huge. And the second thing I'd give them credit for is like, they are really good at telling people's stories. Like they really are. I mean, you go to any Salesforce hosted event and it very much starts with a really great, um, you know, kind of video and, and they know how to tell the stories, which again, is if they're touching, it's meaningful. And then it just kind of grows and begets more of those types of people. It's cool. Touch on a, a couple of different things. I think Salesforce and government was a big one. Uh, and then again, equality at the, at the end of the show. Uh, so, so many people are looking for that opportunity that we talked about. Um, I'm just out here trying to give somebody else an option that maybe they're watching the show, however they came across it. But I think you are a good steward of Salesforce or this career field. So thanks again. And I hope to have you back. I'd love to be back anytime. And hopefully it won't take us 20 times to schedule the next time. But (laughs) thanks for having me. Whatever you do, don't lose your head. Pull your feelings out of it. Pull your insecurities out of it. Be strong and very courageous. If you are going to birth your dream, your calling, your passion, you can't draw back when life gets tough. You've got to stand up to it and push.